school. Whoa. Good to have you here this uh, second Sunday of a new year. Uh, I hope that as we uh, continue to meet together that there will be a continuing stirring and, and growth as we uh, work through our series. Last September we started a new series called Following Jesus, His Life and Teaching. And each week we're looking at uh, a story from the life of Jesus using uh, what's called a Harmony of the Gospels which combines the passages from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into a single storyline. A lot of work went into that by theologians uh, much greater and smarter than I. Um, also, each week we're providing a handout, and we have uh, those available. If you, if you do not yet have a handout for next Sunday, you didn't get it out in the lobby, please raise your hand, and we can get these to you. Uh, these are a tool... Got one way over there. These are a tool that will uh, help us together uh, to reflect during the week on the passage that we'll be looking at on a following Sunday. Um, and the sheet provides you not only the text, but it also provides a few questions. And uh, I would just really invite, encourage, admonish, rebuke, I mean, not rebuke, um, join us. Uh, it's a fairly simple process. It's a new year. If you have not been journeying with us uh, during the week, I would e extremely interestingly welcome you uh, to join us and reflect. I uh, had a small group last fall that, uh, where I had a number of people who did this with me. They would reflect, and then we got together on our uh, community group and shared. And it, was just, it was just a blessing uh, to hear what others were hearing and sensing from the text. And my hope is, is that this will help us together to have a journey of understanding better Jesus' life and teaching, and at the same time to uh, help us grow in a daily interactive relationship and companionship with him. This morning we're going to be looking at numerous verses uh, that highlight some of Jesus' spiritual practices. But before we head there, let's pray. Jesus, what a privilege it is to have the Gospels to help us know about you. How these stories of encourage and lead and guide us, direct us. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your death, your resurrection, and that you're interceding now for us. Holy Spirit, this is your time. Might you speak, might I simply be your instrument like a violin that you would strum, bow, that we would hear your voice and what the Father has for us today. In Jesus' name. So numerous spiritual practices are being highlighted in this text, by no means all of them. You may remember from the very beginning of our series that each week I was highlighting from Jesus' life the, and the stories that we were looking at at that time, what were some of those spiritual practices. I'm not going to recount them here, but spend time with these. But as we go through our study, as we look at Jesus' life, we're wanting to learn from him. 
we're a disciple like the disciples. And we have been invited by Jesus to come be with him and to learn from him. And so that would be my hope that during the week we're reflecting and considering these stories and asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you want to tell me? What do you want me to get this week from these stories? So before we look specifically at Jesus' spiritual practices, let's first talk about what spiritual practices are. Spiritual practices or disciplines for the spiritual life, as they are also called, are actions and activities that we do that open our lives to the action of God in our heart, our mind, our body, our spirit, our soul, relationships, and life that progressively transform our whole person into the image of God we were designed to be. Or, as our narrative says, to become like Jesus. Dallas Willard describes these spiritual practices this way. Spiritual practices train us for leading the life that God intended for us. One that has the power and character to fulfill our calling. They are methods by which we obey the command to put off the old person and to put on the new person who is in the likeness of Christ. They are exercises unto godliness. Through them, we become capable of doing with God all the wonderful things commanded in the Bible, which we know are impossible in our own strength and wisdom. Spiritual practices are found throughout the Bible, and they are things that we practice alone, but also with God's people, and all are intended to be done with God. Many of the spiritual practices are activities that we can practice at any time, in any setting, even at work. Spiritual practices are not a means to earn points with God. They're not to get him to think better of us or to love us more. And spiritual practices are not an end unto themselves, but they are unto an outcome, a, a change that enables us to do and to be what we couldn't have done, what we couldn't have been on our own prior to the incorporation of those exercises or those practices. A parallel very similarly, they are similar to physical exercise, one practices, to be healthier, stronger, capable of doing what one could not have done before, or at least not as easily. Um, a year ago, Thanksgiving, Claire and I got uh, a new home gym that I shared with you all about uh, throughout the year. And I have to admit, it's been hard to get and use it every day, or even the three days a week that was my intention. But I have, and have wonderfully found that I can lift things and hold things and carry things and stand up stronger than I did before I started those. And 
Similarly, through spiritual practices that I and many of you have been practicing over these last few years in particular, I have found myself responding to circumstances, uh, being able to walk through difficulties, relate to others in ways I couldn't have done in the past, or at least not as easily. So let's look at Jesus' spiritual practices, some of the ones referenced in these passages. The first one is silence and solitude. I'm not going to read the passages again. You might, if you're bored and don't want to listen to me, you these are the ones that somewhat reference that. Uh, but most of us can do two things. You could work on your phone and listen and read at the same time, I'm, I'm sure. In fact, you probably could be praying right now for me because that would be helpful. Um, Silence and solitude, uh, not something that we in our culture or our society do very much. It's, it's not something we know how to do very much. Our lives are filled with a tremendous amount of noise. And I must admit, as wonderful as the many tools are, that noise um, continues throughout our days and into our nights and sometimes even putting on the little noise machine at night to sleep with because we're so accustomed to noise. Silence and solitude, on the other hand, are um, practices that when done with an intention to connect with God have the ability to help us in the times of noise and in the times of aloneness, when we are alone at times, to walk through those circumstances in different kinds of ways. Jesus, as you know, uh, went into the desert at some point and fasted. And silence and solitude are, are like that in that it is an a, a practice of what's called abstinence or n not doing. So fasting is not doing. And Jesus fasted. It was one of the spiritual practices that we saw in his life much earlier. But that same experience included silence and solitude. And what those things can do for us when practiced regularly is they can begin over time and practice to reduce the noise in our own heads. How many of us, and don't raise your hand, when we pause to pray, struggle to stay engaged? We're thinking about what we're going to do. We, we pause to read scripture in the morning or at night. And we're thinking about all the things of our day and the day before. And we struggle. We struggle to be alone with God. And so one of the things that just sort of stood out to me is Jesus practiced these. Now, now he was God, but he, he lived his life as a human a human empowered by the Holy Spirit, and yet he practiced these things. Gosh, that kind of makes me think maybe 
maybe I should do that too. I, I like the outcome of his life of loving well and dealing with difficulty and hardship. His ability to say yes to the will of God. But friends, I believe he learned those things. And he learned those things through practices of withdrawing. Um, Next one, getting up early and rest. In the morning when it was still very dark. I I like how the author highlights it was very dark. Like, Like this is really early in the morning. No one should get up at that hour. And then the next Reference speaks of him spending the whole night in prayer. What, what, oh my gosh, I mean, when does the guy sleep? Uh, in the boat, in the middle of the day, I think, sometimes. Now, believe it or not, rest is a spiritual discipline. And sometimes the most godly thing we can do is rest. But I don't mean sleep. I mean rest. Like when you're awake. Like pause. Everybody take a couple of deep breaths, very slowly. Just breathe deeply. In and out. Anybody nervous yet? We don't know how to rest. And we struggle to know how to plan our lives such that we can have time for God. Jesus, we see, did it early in the morning here. There's another reference uh, in the group of passages that says he did it after work. Dismissed the crowds, sent the guys away, went up on the mountain to pray. Text ends with, and it was evening when he finished. So the time isn't, isn't the radical thing here. The radical thing here is that our lives are ordered in such a way that God gets some of it. And a planned time with a planned means such as reading scripture, praying, being still, resting, are the kinds of things we can do, but those are not an end. And the outcome, honestly, is that we would be in that kind of a mindset, that kind of an awareness of God all the time. One of the troubles with the religious leaders of Jesus' day were they they had all these rules and regulations that they followed. Ding, 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 ding. Checking off the box every day, you know, every week, every month, every celebration, every year. I did it, I did it, I did it. With probably little to no transformation or relationship with God. They learned how to do the action without experiencing the outcome.
church involvement. Now, Jesus didn't go to church, but he went to synagogue. And we could parallel those, those two things. And uh, something that caught, uh, one of, I, I used these, all these uh, nine passages during the week, like I'm inviting you guys to do. I did that. I started on Monday. Um, and I uh, would read them and look for things, highlight things that stood out to me. And then I would start with sort of a blank sheet again the next day and highlight things that stood out to me. And one of the things that stood out to me, uh, I don't know if it was the first day or the second day, but was, were those words, as was his custom. It's three times in these texts, as was his custom. That's a spiritual practice. Does that make sense? So, what are the things that are your custom? As was Randy's custom. He did this. As Donna, as was her custom, she did this. Do any of those things that you do on a regular basis, exercise, eat, sleep, are, are any of those connected to your deepening relationship with God? Is it possible that we need to grow in these arenas so that God might be able to say, not that any of us need to know what one another is doing, but that God would be able to look down and say, gee, Randy's now accustomed to getting up early and spending time with me. Wow, Randy's now accustomed to pausing in the middle of his day to connect with me. It's Randy's custom now to not only study the Word of God, but to share what he's learning from, with others. As was his custom, I'm wandering off these texts in particular. I was led uh, in looking at this one, thinking about Jesus' custom of attending synagogue, as was his custom. And I was reminded of Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, when you come to church, why do you come to church? And is it possible that why you come participates in regulating the frequency. Paul ties the meeting together with the outcome of encouraging one another. The word encourage there is the word that is the um, verb or adjective, I don't do grammar very well, that is parallel to the noun paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete, 
which is one of the names that Jesus identifies, functions that Jesus identifies for the Holy Spirit. Comforter, encourager, one who comes alongside to help. And this week when I was looking at this passage, I thought, hey, just like we're to be called little Christs, Christians, which means anointed one. Let's back up. Let's get our theology right here for a minute. What does Christ mean? It is a name, but it's also a thing. <laughs> it's an expression. He was the anointed one. Anointed with what? Oil? Uh, we didn't see that anywhere. It's possible sometime he got oil. You know, his mom might have spilled oil on him at some point. In time. I don't know. No, anointed with the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about ourselves being Christians, what we're declaring and what should be true is that we are anointed ones with the Holy Spirit. Little Christs, anointed ones. Well, guess what? Just like the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, one who comes alongside to help, one who comforts, one who encourages. So are we. We're little paracletes. Some of us are just parakeets, but, but what we need to grow into is becoming paracletes. So when you come to church, when Jesus went to church, Why? Why did Jesus need to go to church? I mean, did he have to? Would somebody have scolded him? Did his parents drag him off to Sunday school? Did he ever want to stay home? I'm just going to go for a walk today and meet with God on my own. Thank you very much. I don't think so. Ah, man, I didn't like the sermon today. I could really do a whole lot better job than that guy. Sheesh. Maybe I just won't come next week. I don't think so. Oh my gosh, the worship. It was off the charts. I'm so glad I didn't miss that. Why do you come to church? Are you performing for God? Are you impressing me? Because you're not. What would impress me? Never mind. It's here. I'm sorry. I just I'm, be good. Be okay. All right. Just relax. There's nothing here in that scripture in Paul's. There are other places that speak about what goes on at church, but Paul says we come to church to encourage one another. What would that look like? Well, it, it, it could look like sharing a story with a friend about how we encountered God this week. It, it, it could be sharing a story about a difficulty that we faced and how God helped us. It could be listening to somebody else's story. Coming alongside to help. It could be to pray for somebody. To lay hands on them, invite the Holy Spirit to help them because they struggle. May I suggest that church for us 
should be less about us and more about God and others? Just a thought. Study and teaching. As was his custom, Jesus taught them. We see these activities of Jesus' teaching, but we don't see the study. But we know, we can know from history and from the information available to us about that time period of what life would be like for a Jewish boy, sadly not for a Jewish woman, girl. Today it is, bless God. And it involved elementary school but had nothing to do with ABCs or 2 plus 2. It had to do with learning, knowing, and memorizing God's word. Boys would spend school, was in the synagogue, learning God's word. Every, I don't know how frequently, I've never studied it enough broadly to know exactly how, what the patterns were for it. But we do know that that would have happened. When Jesus at age 12, in the temple story we looked at uh, back in the fall, um, stunned and startled the teachers in the temple. Yes, part of that was because he was brilliant. Probably the smartest human being because his mental capacities were not being hindered or blocked or uh, diverted. But I think it references the amount of study of God's word. Friends, I don't believe that Jesus was born with the Torah memorized. But I will tell you that he had the Torah memorized because that is what they did and that is what he did. How can we go through a week without reviewing God's word? How can we go through a month without opening the scriptures and being reminded of the truth? How much of the truth do you really remember on a daily basis? We need to be hearing the word of God. It is the word of God. Prayer. This week, as I spent time reflecting on these verses, the first question that came to my mind was, what did you do, Jesus, when you prayed? As we've highlighted, in some way, Jesus set aside his divinity when he took on humanity. He lived his life as a human being, being empowered by the Holy Spirit so why did he need to pray? I mean, he had unhindered relationship with God from the moment he was born, right? Maybe not. I've suggested, is it possible he grew in his knowledge of the Father and the Spirit? That the Father's voice on that baptism day and the imbuing with the Holy Spirit 
was a significant entry into a new phase or kind of life? A conversion? Maybe? At least a new stage? So what did Jesus do and say when he prayed? It doesn't seem to me that he would have prayed through a list. I don't think he would have quoted memorized prayer from prayers from his childhood training, though he would have been, had memorized many. In John 17, we know that he spoke directly to the Father. We are well aware that he made petitions. He interceded for others. But what was it like? So I asked him, Jesus, what did you do when you prayed? And here's what I heard. Randy, son, prayer, as you are learning, is relationship. It is communion and conversation. Yes, it is petition and supplication. But petition and supplication that is from faith and indifference. It's not about not caring. It's about trusting us. The foundation of prayer is, are you and I in relationship of knowing, caring, and loving one another? And additionally, do you believe I am good and want what is best? Do you trust me? Or are you going to act on your own without me? You asked Jesus, what did you do when you prayed? We were together. We chatted and talked. Similarly, as you and Clara chat and discuss the very topics of life and ministry. Kind of cool. Kind of helpful. You know, you can ask him questions like that too. Prayer, as it is described and encouraged throughout the Bible, is a lot of things. But more than anything else, it's about being with and attentive to God. In his letter to the Thessalonian Christians, the Apostle Paul, while directing them how to live, says, Rejoice always. Unceasingly pray. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Listen to these three directives from Paul. Rejoice always. Unceasingly pray. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. Now, how many of you here, don't raise your hand, wish to live your life according to God's will? Is that not one of the mantras of the, the, the Christian message? I, I want to do God's will. It's all I want to do. I just want to do God's will. And then we go off and do all the things we want to do. But we say, and we mostly mean, some of the time, 
that I'd really like to do God's will. Well, there it is. There's a brief list. You could start today living out God's will for your life. You could begin rejoicing, being filled with joy because of the good things that God has done for you. You could begin to practice connecting with God, prayer, connecting with God all the time. You could begin to practice thanking God in all circumstances? All? Wait a minute. I, I'm not sure I like the word all. Can we just say thanking God in the circumstances that, that, are, that are good, that I like? Thanks, God, for that break at work. Thanks for that help. Thanks I didn't get hit in that car accident. This week, twice. Twice this week. I, ha I have this left-hand turn from sort of a center lane, and there's two lanes that turn. Twice this week, I had somebody go from that left lane and push me into the gas station. Twice. And each time, thank you, Jesus. That came after I honked, though. Because, you know, I need to honk first, and, and then I can thank God that I'm still alive. Do you recognize, does it, does it cross your mind that these, these three things are spiritual practices? If we would practice these things on a regular basis over a long period of time, can you imagine that your perspective on life circumstances might change? Can you imagine that difficult circumstances might not bother you so much? Can you imagine that you might have a greater sense of God's presence with you? When Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, do you think he meant for them actually to do it? And does he mean for you to do that? And if so, how's it going? May I suggest to you that to always and unceasingly pray is not so much about words as it is about relationship and paying attention. Last night, um, we, um, I've been struggling to um, coughing and stuff at night, and I've not been able to lay down and sleep, and so occasionally I need a couple of pillows propped up, and I sleep, attempt to sleep sitting up. It's not all that successful. Been, been having to do that. Been, sometimes I'll start the night one way, and then... So last night, I, I had put the, the two pillows I used down off to the side of, over on my bed against the wall, and uh, in the middle of the night, I, I needed, to, um, needed to use them. Uh, so I got up, and um, I, I walked over to, to the wall where they were, and I <laughs> slammed my head into a Christmas carton, too high stacked, that I moved to that spot from over there in the room. And the, the first thought, the, I promise, the first thought as I hit my head was, thank you, God. I didn't have my glasses on. 
How many of you with glasses have ever hit right here? Anybody? Brennan, surely you have. I know you have. I've watched you, I think. I didn't have my glasses on. Two, and I wasn't thinking these things, but two, I hit here, not in the eyes, not on my nose. And it was this hard plastic edge, just, you know, bumping there. The very first thing, thank you, God. That was a very, and it dawned on me in that moment, I have been praying that prayer a lot, frequently, when I've encountered those little kinds of things. Bumping my toe, uh, the, the cars, thank you, God, pulling over next to me. And I realized, hey, I don't know about all, but I have been practicing the spiritual practice of thanking God that things aren't as bad as they could be. <laughs> In one of his books, Dallas Willard shared about a missionary named Frank Laubach, missionary from the early 1900s, who decided to try an experiment of cultivating the habit of turning his mind to Christ for one second out of every minute. One second out of every minute. And he, he journaled his life as a missionary. This is 1915 or 20 or something like that. Philippines, by the way. There's our... He was a missionary in the Philippines. Hugely, uh, God used him. Anyway, um, I was able to find and, and read his journal. The, he made it as a January 1st commitment. He speaks of having on a January 1st, first of the year, he said, you know what, God, I, I want to grow in my relationship with you. And so what I, I'm going to commit to try and be alert to you for one second out of every minute. A year later... He writes, not up on the screen yet, it's a different quote. He writes, I have just experienced the best year of my life. And, God, I want to commit again to connect with you every moment. A couple of months into that second year, he writes this. I feel simply carried along each hour, doing my part in a plan which is far beyond myself. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonishes me. For I have never felt it this way before. I seem to have to make sure of only one thing now, and every other thing takes care of itself. Or, I prefer to say what is more true, God takes care of all the rest. I need something and turn around to find it waiting for me. I must work, but to be sure, there is God working along with me. My part is to live each moment in continuous inner conversation with God and in perfect responsiveness to his will. Something like that is what I believe prayer was like for Jesus and could become a life of unceasing prayer for us.
Let me end with Dr. Laubach's definition of prayer. Prayer at its highest is a two-way conversation. And for me, the most important part is listening to God's replies. As we walk into this year, this new year, time when we often will reflect and consider what are ways that we might be able to make changes to put some things into place to take action. May I encourage you that that Pauline passage to rejoice always, unceasingly pray, and give thanks in all circumstances would be a great opportunity for you to practice some spiritual practices, to exercise your spirit. Our sheets on a weekly basis given out for you to reflect and consider the passage that uh, we'll be talking about the following Sunday so that you come informed. And you can even ask him if there's something weird in the text like there is for this next week. There's something really odd in the next... Now you need to look at it and see what it is. There is. And I don't have a clue what he means, what, what it meant. You could ask God what in the world Jesus meant. You could ask Jesus. You could ask the Holy Spirit. You can ask all three of them. They might have different opinions. I don't know. Let's pray. I'm going to allow you to pray. Not out loud. I'd like you to tell God, well, maybe first you need to ask God, God, what is your invitation to me? God, what is your invitation to me today from this time? And then tell him, how you're going to respond to that invitation. What is God inviting you to? Not what Randy is inviting you to. Not what you're thinking about doing. What is God inviting you to as a result of this time this morning? And then tell him what you plan on doing.
Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. Help us to connect more with you this year. Help us to learn from you, Jesus, our teacher, our mentor. For your glory. And in your name, Jesus, let it be so. Amen. If you would uh, like someone to pray with you, someone to be a paraclete, no parakeets, please. Uh, if you would like someone to come alongside you today and pray with you about a circumstance in your life or something you sense God's invitation to you, perhaps struggles that you're wrestling with, um, we have folks that would love to be a paraclete for you up here this morning and come alongside and listen and occasionally pray and sometimes encourage so that's what we're going to do. If some of you would be willing to come be paracletes, that would be great. Um, and then others could come and uh, meet with you if they would like. Blessings. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a God with God week.